Will you pray with me? There is no holy one like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Amen. Amen. For as foreign a story as our Old Testament reading can feel at first glance, a family with two wives, yearly visits to a temple to sacrifice animals that then become a sacred meal, for as strange as that can feel, there is something achingly familiar in the story of this woman who wants more than anything to have a child. Year after year, Hannah and her husband Elkanah and his other wife Peninnah and her many children go to the temple to make sacrifices. Going to the temple as a family was a time carved out to be particularly close to God. And this time was marked by sharing a special meal, not so unlike Thanksgiving coming up this week. And every year, as this family made this long trek, Penina would mercilessly mock Hannah for her lack of children not so unlike family dynamics around the dinner table at Thanksgiving. Hannah is a woman in a patriarchal world wherein her worth is largely determined by her ability to have a son. Even today, though we pride ourselves on being a little more balanced in gender empowerment, so much of how we conceive of a woman's worth is through mothering. If we are mothers, if we want to be mothers, how good at mothering we are. And yet, for all these societal pressures, there is a real and ardent grief in wanting to be able to have a child and not being able to. For years, the text tells us, for years, Hannah and her husband have been trying to conceive. And Elkanah, her husband, loves Hannah and assures her that her worth to him is not wrapped up in a child. Am I not more to you than ten sons, he pleads. But what Hannah is experiencing is something that her husband will never fully understand. And as deeply as he loves her, no one person can fulfill all the needs and dreams of another, even in marriage. So Hannah's grief grows year after year until she entirely loses her appetite and can no longer participate in the sacred meal until... One year, when our story picks up, Hannah has had enough. The family has eaten. Hannah has not, but she has remained dutifully through the meal. And then she arises. She arises to go to the temple of the Lord alone. 
She goes to the house of God to make her plea, to make a promise that if given a child, she won't even keep him. She will give him right back to God as a Nazarite, as a special kind of priest in the temple. Hannah is praying silently. One translation says, Hannah was praying with her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was silent. Not only has Hannah lost her appetite, she has lost her voice. All that is left are the words on her heart. I wonder if you have ever prayed like Hannah. Perhaps it has been your own journey with fertility grief, with miscarriages, with loss. Maybe it has been loss in your family, or maybe it has been feeling profoundly lonely when surrounded by family. I wonder if you have ever felt as worthless as Hannah felt. I wonder if you have prayed the words on your heart when the words in your throat were gone. And while Hannah is praying this prayer beyond words, we are told that a priest named Eli is watching from the door. Pay attention. Eli is watching from the doorway, the entrance to the temple, the temple, the place where God is especially close. Eli is a priest, but here he is also a gatekeeper, a decider of who is worthy to pray in this bosom of God. And Eli sees that Hannah's lips are moving, but no sound is coming out, and Eli assumes she is drunk. And he assumes, therefore, that she is disrespecting the house of God. How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself, he says. Put away your wine. And Hannah, a woman whose grief has taken her sense of worth, her appetite, her voice, Hannah, who has been carrying a weight of shame, shame about her body, shame about her life, long, silent, suffering, Hannah responds, No, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Hannah came to the temple to plead with God for a son, and what she found was her voice. Hannah turns to Eli, a man whose power far outstrips her own, and she tells him that she deserves to have a place of sanctuary in the temple so God can hear what is on her heart. Because somewhere, somehow, as she was pouring her heart out to God, she remembered God made her. And that is it. it is in God that her worth lies. Do not consider me a worthless woman. Hannah is audacious. She teaches us that sometimes 
You have to take a risk to remember that you are beloved by God. Because God loves Hannah. Full stop. God loves this jealous, barren woman who gets a little sassy with a priest in the temple. In fact, Hannah is teaching Eli that God's home, the temple, is a home for prayers that are a little unruly. Prayers that don't always come from prayer books or from clean piety, but prayers that come pouring out from the depths of our hearts. And Eli has a choice. As the gatekeeper, he could have scoffed at Hannah's words. But when he was confronted with Hannah's audacious declaration, he prays that God will grant her what she has asked for. And so Hannah goes home, and she eats, and she drinks, and her countenance is no longer sad. She, who had lost her appetite and her voice and her sense of self-worth, has found her joy again. She's not pregnant when she goes home. The text is very clear that it is only after they leave the temple and return back home that she conceives. So as incandescently joyful as we know Hannah will be when she gives birth to that long-awaited child, we sell her story short if we think her happy ending is having a baby. Not because her child is not a great joy, he is, but because we see her audacious joy in the very next chapter as she sings a song of dedication, as she brings her baby back to the temple, back to that priest Eli to dedicate him. She sings, God raises up the poor from the dust. God lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. Hannah's song is about knowing God is with the poor, the dispossessed, the lonely, the infertile women, the forgotten women, the lonely people. Sometimes God answers our prayers in ways we want and expect, But more often than not, I think, God's response to our prayers is a nudge to remember no markers of this world, no status signifiers, not even other people, are what will answer our pleas for worth and meaning and purpose. God calls us to be audacious. God calls us to take holy risks to declare the most dangerous thing of all, we are worthy of love, not because of what we look like, not because of how much money we make, not because of what our families think of us, not because of what has happened in our past. We are worthy because God loves us. And because God loves you, you are called to break down barriers We are called to have the humility of Eli when we are confronted with our own assumptions of who we let in and who we keep out. 
We are called to love a God who brings down power and lifts up lowly, hurting, poor, and barren people. We are called to see this world as God does and to step into that upside-down logic and love audaciously. You are beloved by God no matter what. And God has made you to be a little audacious. Amen.